I just want to tell them that they matter and that they're special and they're uniquely gifted and that they're safe when they reach out to us. And even if they've never, ever, ever, ever had a memory and now they're having their very first memories because we mentioned it, it's not just a power of suggestion. We're not like woo planting thoughts in your mind. If you're having a memory, chances are it's real and it's okay to reach out even just once and say, hey, I had this memory and I just wanted to ask you a question. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Our special co-host today, and I do mean special, is Bobby Parrish from BobbyParish.com. Hey, Bobby. Hi, Jared. How are you? Oh, I am pumped to have you on. You really don't need an introduction because you're doing some really cool stuff, and we're going to talk about that. But we're also going to talk to Athena Moberg, and I just love Athena. I know you do, too. She is the co-founder of the No More Shame Project. And yeah, she's a mentor to survivors of sexual abuse. So we're going to have an interesting conversation today here on Start of the Doubts. Athena is over at AthenaMoberg.com. Athena, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Jared. Such a pleasure. So you knew this was coming. And it's something that we ask everybody, no matter what the topic is. And so (laughs) we're going to talk about some serious stuff today, but we're going to start out by talking about something that we always talk about on the show. And that's what is the best concert that you have ever been to or that you like to watch? (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Well, I was prepared for this question and I don't attend a lot of live concerts, but my husband, Jim, and I have a live Eagles concert from 1992 that we watch all the time, at least once a month in our house with our bows surround sound and the lights dim and I make homemade popcorn, not microwave popcorn. And so I'd have to say the Eagles. I'm a huge fan of the Eagles. I love them too. Yes. Yes. Okay. So what's your favorite song by the Eagles? I would probably have to say Last Resort. Oh, Uh, Last Resort mentions Lahaina and I live in Lahaina, Hawaii. So Fun fact about that song is my husband, back in the day when that song first came out, he wrote down all the lyrics to that song so that he could know all the lyrics because he was so excited that it said Lahaina because he moved to Maui in the 70s. And that was back when Last Resort was actually released. And on our wedding day, I played the Eagles' Last Resort at our wedding. And he it was the cue song that he would hear to know that he had to go take his place and get ready for like our wedding to start. So yeah, that's my favorite song. And I love the Eagles. I'm a big fan. Well, and a good backstory on that. And then you mentioned some things I don't want people to miss. I, I think it's interesting that you make homemade popcorn and then also that you live in Maui. So I do want to take just a quick second and say, what's the secret to good homemade popcorn? I do tell. <laughs> The secret to good homemade popcorn, I think, is real butter. I don't believe in margarine. And I grind sea salt myself in a grinder, and I get all the ingredients set aside so that when the oil's hot and I put the kernels in and they're done, I'm not scrambling around waiting for butter to melt or like using pre-grinded salt. I just do it all like from scratch, homemade. Wow. Athena, I'm going to have to start calling you Martha. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's people hitting pause on the podcast right now to write that down, and they should be. <laughs> That's good stuff. That's my secret, and I've never served my son or my husband microwave popcorn because I'm not a huge purist, but I think I'm a popcorn purist. You're a popcorn oh, no. snob, Athena. I'm a little bit of a popcorn snob. I got it. I am. See, 
<laughs> See, Bobby's going to give her family weird looks now. She's going to give them stink eye when they give her the microwave popcorn. Look what you've done. I don't use white popcorn kernels, by the way. I think that's another secret. I use white kernels. I don't use the yellow corn kernels. <laughs> and of course, you mentioned you live in Maui. So, uh, man, I've been to Maui. I don't know if Bobby's had the opportunity no. to go there. It is unbelievable. And I've got to say, man, that's one of my favorite places I've ever been to. So good for you that you get to live in my favorite place. It's completely incredible. And I have like a 180 degree ocean mountain view from my house. And <laughs> honestly, like as we get onto this interview, people are listening in right now going, who is this popcorn snob, fancy girl, <laughs> like born yeah. with a silver it, spoon in her Maui, <laughs> living in Maui. And it's just honestly, it's kind of a rags to riches sort of underdog to overcomer testimony. So I'm super excited to share with your audience my story today. Awesome. All right. So I tell you what, let's transition into finish this sentence. We have a good one for you. And Bobby, if you'd kick us off. Absolutely. Athena, it is important to remember on Wednesday evenings that we have a live Google Hangout for (laughs) adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, every single Wednesday. That's right. We do. (laughs) That is the correct answer. uh, Real quick. (laughs) <laughs> ding, ding, ding. But Bobby, what can the listeners who might be interested in checking that out, what could they expect from that? You know, it is a very casual event. We have a theme. On Tuesday nights, we have a Twitter chat that we do. And we use the same theme that we had on Tuesday night. We carry it over Wednesday. Like this last, this week, we talked about crisis management plans and how important those are. So it's basically a back and forth between Athena and I talking about how to do a plan. We do some screen sharing and our listeners can type in questions to us. They can tweet them to us. They can type them in on Google+. And it's basically a time for us to just be real vulnerable, talk about ourselves, but also talk about things that can benefit the survivor community. Okay, so Athena, I'm a guy and I don't have the background or the experience that you and Bobby have. So my first thought was be like, that's interesting, but how do you talk about something that can be for some people just such a tough topic to talk about? And, um, you know, what is some of the impact or what are some of the results that you're starting to see from having those hangouts? Well, that's a good question because sexual abuse is such a delicate topic and so many people in certain circles, um, specifically, I'm a woman of faith. I'm super involved in local ministry and involved in my community. And if someone asks me what I do for a living, and I mention to them that I am a trauma recovery coach or a success coach for adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse, it's almost like the record scratches a bit and they mm. start to fidget and they get a little bit uncomfortable. And that is only about one in 10. The other nine people their response is, oh my gosh, really? I can't believe that you just said that. I have this friend of mine. Or, you know, it just almost me being vulnerable and bold in that moment and telling them what I really do for a living, which I haven't always been a success coach for adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse. I haven't always done trauma recovery coaching. I mean, I definitely got this way by several detours, which I'm sure we can talk about later. But I honestly think that it sort of disarms them. I think it's disarming and 
some of them that are super into sort of appearances and making sure everything looks pretty and shiny on the outside. They tend to stay away from me because they know that I'm not going to talk about the weather. Not like I'm trying to offend anyone or be like that person that makes everything a spectacle, but I'm definitely real. And I have people, the moment I mention what I do for a living, they feel like they, you know, I'm being vulnerable with them and it gives them permission to be vulnerable and they approach me or share something deep with me or sensitive, just something they normally wouldn't share with others. So I consider that a privilege because most of the conversations I have on any given day of the week are confidential conversations. And I enjoy that. Mm. Now, for the listeners who are saying, hey, I'm interested in that Wednesday evening hangout, how would they find out? How, where would they go to find that? Well, Bobby was a little bit modest earlier in saying that it's just super casual and we all just talk like the way. So first of all, they could actually log on to Twitter. And if you enjoy the Twitterverse and you could type in hashtag no more shame and you would find tons of stuff about us. You would also okay. find some other no more shame topics that are, you know, um, there are some people out there that are doing campaigns for addiction or other things. But if you typed in sex abuse chat, which is how this whole thing started. We have a very dear friend of ours who's a best-selling, award-winning author who's also a writer for the Huffington Post. Her name's Rachel Thompson, and she started Sex Abuse Chat in January. She and Bobby are the people who started this whole entire thing. And I was in the middle of a coaching session, and this is, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I'm just gonna go for it. I feel like I should share this. I was in the middle of a coaching session, and I heard something down on my phone I look down and it's an email from the person, my uncle, who sexually abused me as a five-year-old. I froze. I started to shake. I was unable to breathe. I didn't know what to do. He hadn't contacted me my entire life. But for some reason, he had my email address and I was just terrified. I didn't know what happened. I looked and it was one of those spam emails where you get hacked and someone Uh. says, hey, click this link and check this out. And so all of that terror and freezing that I did in that moment during my coaching session was all I thought for nothing. And I panicked for nothing. And I sort of shamed myself for feeling that way and acting that way. And then something incredible happened. I was sort of in a bit of a fog for about a day or so. I logged online and I started looking up like adult survivors of sexual abuse or like, is there anybody out there who is going through what I'm going through? Because I feel like a freak right now. I just had a memory I just relived this. This was 35 years ago. What is wrong with me? And who do I find? Bobby Parrish and Rachel (laughs) Thompson. Just so happens to be a Tuesday and sex abuse chat was going to start in about an hour and a half. So I decided, oh, I've never done a Twitter chat before. I don't know how to do this thing, but I'm going to give it a shot. So I followed the hashtag. I introduced myself. I said hi. And instantly something happened that I will never forget. And I was not only welcomed with open arms, I was loved on, I was accepted, I wasn't judged, I was just immediately welcomed into this entire community of like a dozen other people that had gone through the same thing I had gone through, and I didn't feel like a freak anymore. I was immediately at ease, and I wasn't hyperventilating, and I didn't feel shame. The shame completely disappeared. And I was able to function. And I was like, wow, that was incredible. I just want to send a private message to these people to let them know how much I appreciate it. And they responded personally. 
And I just decided to start coming back every week. And then I started ministering to other people. I joined a private secret Facebook group. I decided to join as a co-host. They actually asked me to co-host with them. And it just was this perfectly effortless, amazing evolution of community that I've never mm-hmm. experienced in my life. Well, <laughs> go ahead, <laughs> I Bobby. I jump in here really quick. One of the things that I've seen and I have found, and I'm a survivor as well, and therapist and a trauma recovery coach, is how vital community is to the recovery of survivors. Athena and I have coined a phrase, community is shame's kryptonite, because shame is one of the worst things that comes from being abused. But when you get in a community of other survivors, you don't feel alone anymore. You don't feel ashamed because you know that you're one of many. You know, the numbers of people who have been sexual abused are staggering. One in four girls, one in six boys. That is a huge number of people. And most of them are out there. They don't tell their story. They're ashamed. They keep this a secret. And so they never get a chance to feel that freedom of what life is like without carrying that shame. But when we bring them into community, oh my goodness, it is the most amazing thing. And so Athena, in our work, we really require that the people that we work with join one of our survivor communities because that's how vital that we think it is. So, Bobby, I'm glad that you said that you're talking about the work. And Athena, you do have a lot of projects going on right now. So you've alluded to a few of the things. We know about the Google Hangout and some of the coaching and stuff. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on. Well, in addition to the weekly Google Hangouts on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, you can find us on Google Plus at No More Shame Project. In addition to that, we also obviously have the Twitter chat that we were discussing. And the whole reason we started the Google Hangout is because Almost every single person that was participating in the Tuesday night Twitter chats, which are at 6 p.m. Pacific also on Tuesdays, they all started typing in, oh my gosh, that hour went by too fast from 6 to 7. How come it's only an hour? Why is this only once a week? I wish we could do this more often. I wish this was longer. I wish there was more. When is there going to be more? Are you going to ever do, is it ever going to be longer? There was just this constant week after week after week. And then we all started communicating throughout the week and just sending little tweets or emails or posts or, or interacting on Facebook or what have you. And so Bobby and I got together and we had a Skype meeting and we're like, we need to do something about this. We just need to do it. We need to offer more. And so not only are we offering the Wednesday night Google Hangouts, which is a chance not only for them to you know type in something and have us type back to them, they get to see our faces, hear our voices. And in addition to that, we have an anthology that was launched way back in July 1st. We put it out there. Hey, you survivors out there, if you would like to tell your story, we are going to publish a book. This isn't one of those, oh, pay us a few hundred dollars and you'll be a published author. We are absorbing all the costs. We are providing the authors that have decided to participate in this anthology series. It is titled The No More Shame Project, Volume 1, and it is a collection of survivors' stories. They are allowed to use a pen name if they decide to, for whatever reason, if they are concerned about revealing their identity, if they don't want to affect their children or their parents or someone involved, if for whatever reason they're not ready to say who they are and come out and and tell their story as themselves, they're allowed to use a pen name. We had over 40 entries. Bobby, what was the number? How many entries did we have? We had 43 people submit something. 
Yeah, 43 people submitted either a nonfiction essay or a work of poetry. And it had to be from their perspective about their abuse from when they were a child. It's not something that could be published elsewhere or previously published, and it couldn't have been written by someone else. And 43 people threw their hat in the ring for volume one. Now, Bobby and I have decided that we are going to, we've gotten together and we've gotten a team of people together, and now we are publishing memoirs. That's what we're going to be doing. We've launched, not only are we doing the No More Shame Project Volume 1, we are going to offer services, publishing services on our website for survivors only. In order to be published with No More Shame Publishing, NMS Publishing, you have to be a survivor. So obviously there are going to be some perks. There are going to be lower prices than you would get somewhere else, like on other publishing websites. And as a reward to those people who are courageous and threw their hat in the ring for volume one, they're going to get five paperback books. And the publishing date is November 17th, 2014. So it's coming up. And yay! I'm so excited. And we're, gonna, we're, <laughs> we're actually getting ready to announce in a couple days who is going to be published, which ones we accepted from all of the submissions. So those are just a couple of things we're offering. We also offer VIP days. We have a retreat coming up at the end of June that's going to be located on the West Coast. We're going to be launching that and telling people about that. We have some group coaching services that are going to be like a monthly subscription. That's launching in January. Bobby and I both are currently offering VIP confidential coaching, and those are for people in high-profile positions or people that are in clergy or ministry that are not comfortable with talking with other people or going through support staff or secretaries or assistants. There are non-disclosures in place, and we're offering support for them to overcome the shame that they've been carrying around with them for all these years so that they can function in their place of ministry or in their high-profile position. So those are just a few of the things that we're offering right now. And of course, I mean, again, my background wasn't always trauma recovery coaching. I have been a business coach. I've been a success coach for single moms. I love working with survivors who are entrepreneurial in spirit and are single moms. That's like the perfect trifecta for me. So that's just a little bit of what we're offering. Excellent. (laughs) You know, our tagline for the No More Shame Project is every survivor, every voice, every story. And so that's why we offer so many different avenues for survivors to tell their voice, because one's going to be more comfortable with them than another. And our purpose is to reach every survivor we can so that they can raise their voice and tell their story and rid themselves of the shame and the pain. Yeah. That's why we're here. (laughs) (laughs) I love the idea of the publishing because I know that's going to be empowering for people who are willing and, like you said, courageous enough to share those stories. And, you know, you've been able to go through and select some of those. And for the people that get to share that, I know that's going to be a win. I know when I, I haven't experienced these same things, but I know just writing a self-published book for me was a huge accomplishment. So I can only imagine for these people who get to be included in this in November, they're going to be really pumped about that. That's just going to be a cool opportunity. And that's just the volume one. There's going to be more to come. Yep, oh, yeah, we're going to publish at least once a year. Yeah, Athena? Yeah, at least once a year. It depends on how like once we get the ball rolling and we get a system in place, then we can start to committing to more than once a year. But for right now, I don't want to bite off more than we can chew. (laughs) There's wisdom in that, too. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Good deal. All right, Bobby, let's keep going here. Uh, Now, Athena, I know you and I know that you had a really challenging childhood. What doubts about yourself did you grow up with that were as a result of those childhood experiences? Well... I know we only have 
only so long on this broadcast. So (laughs) I will try to be as concise as possible. Yes, my childhood was definitely interesting. The easiest way for me to describe that would be police activity. (laughs) Um, Lots of much of it. (laughs) Yes. And I definitely, growing up in an environment that was extremely violent and there were a lot of drugs and alcohol involved, a lot of abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, growing up in that environment, never knowing when I was safe or if I was ever going to be safe. I will, when you ask what doubts I had about myself, I mean, if we're all being real here and this sounds very like I'm being overly dramatic, but I'm really not. If you can picture your daughter, I mean, she's at a very young age. And so when I was so, 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 so young and all these things are happening around me, I didn't know if I was going to survive. First of all, I doubted that I would survive. And second of all, I doubted that I was worth anything because I was told that I wasn't wanted. I was told by family members at a very, very young age that I was supposed to be aborted. And I didn't understand what the word aborted meant. And I asked one of my teachers and they're like, who taught you that word? And I got in trouble. So then I decided to become silent about that and never said that again. But I just didn't understand. Like, I didn't even know what that meant. So the message came through loud and clear from mostly everyone around me when I was younger, because I would be passed off to family member to family member to family member often, you know, go stay with this aunt or this person or, you know, go visit this person or stay with that person or what have you. So I just think I doubted my self-worth. I think I doubted that I was worth anything, that I was wanted, that I was loved. I didn't always have a lot of food or, and I definitely didn't have healthy food. So there were, I doubted that, you know, whenever I would see certain family members, they would take me out to eat immediately. In fact, my Grammy, she's so cute. She would say, are you ready to go grab a bite? And I mean, like, I would literally eat for like, I don't even know, because I, you know, when you're in that situation, and you're in a survival mentality, and you're a child, you don't know when you're going to have your next meal, or if it's going to be delicious, or if it's going to be, you know, spoiled and smell funny, or what have you. So there was a lot going on. Sounds really like, hello, Athena, that was 30 something years ago, get over it by now. But it was pretty traumatizing. It was really, Absolutely. I, look, I look back on it. And I go, wow, How did I even like, how did I function? I was in some sort of survivor mentality most of the time. So yeah, I just doubted everything about myself. I doubted I would ever escape. I doubted there was ever a way out. I used to plot and plan and dream about someday like running away, but I was terrified. And then like school counselors would call me in and want to talk to me and ask me questions about stuff. And I thought they told me it was a safe place and I could tell them anything. And then I told them what was going on. And it got worse. Like my family found out that I told them what was up and I got in even more trouble and the abuse got worse. So I never spoke up again. It was really traumatic. It was really crazy. I didn't have a lot of friends. I felt like I doubted that I would have real friends. I doubted that I was pretty. I didn't think that I was smart. I was never really told that I was really smart. It wasn't like my spelling test got hung up on the refrigerator or anything. So yeah, It was really sad. And I don't know if anybody that even knew me like knew that because I sort of went to perfectionism and overachieving at a really young age and, you know, graduated with honors, you know, took extra classes just so I could try to be better and be good. And if I was good enough, maybe it wouldn't be that way. And maybe they would love me or maybe they would be nice or it's just a twisted situation, you know, but I'm grateful. I look back and I can see that God protected me and carried me through and equipped me to be safe and to be smart. And I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that I was able to break the cycle with my son. 
I think probably the only thing you didn't come out of your childhood doubting, sweetie, was that you were worthless. You knew that for sure, didn't you? That was the clear message that you got. Yeah, I definitely was told that and I was treated as such. Well, and I was used by other people, you know, like I had to do certain physical labor and I had to pull weeds or do certain chores and I had to do them. Like I wasn't allowed to like go to birthday parties and stuff. And yeah, I don't think I didn't feel that I was worth anything like worth anybody's time or love or affection or anything like that. And I kind of thought it was my fault. Like I remember. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally like a lot of survivors share with me kind of shyly, like, oh, I really thought that was my fault. And like, I'm going to be surprised by that. But it's definitely something that we're groomed to think that it's kind of all our fault, you know, so. And as a child, it's hard to believe that your parent would be such a danger to you. And it's a natural reaction for children to not want to go there. And so they assume the blame themselves because it's a lot better for them. They feel safer thinking, okay, I'm the bad one but my parent is still okay. Yeah, so if I'm good enough, then they won't be that way anymore. Right. Yeah. What I'm thinking is it's likely there's going to be someone who's listening to this and be like, man, I can actually identify with that. What encouragement do you offer to someone who's feeling that way? Well... Honestly, the best thing I could tell anyone that's listening to your show right now is that you are not alone. And that may sound cliche and you hear it all the time, but just when you think you're the only one that's experienced something super horrific and crazy, someone will come along and be like, no way, me too. And there's help. There is hope. And even if you're not ready to join a community of other people that totally get you for the first time in your life you could still reach out to myself or Bobby and I'm sure all of our information will be in the show notes and you would instantly have non-judgmental understanding and compassion completely more than you've ever experienced in your life. I'm willing to bet, especially if you've been carrying around somewhat of, of a burden or thinking, gosh, you know, what's my problem? I should be over this by now. And that's especially prevalent in Christian communities. I'm a Christian. I attend a local church here. I'm involved in ministry. I'm involved in the community. And there's a lot of shame involved with a lot of believers. They think that something must be wrong with them and their faith isn't big enough and that they just haven't surrendered enough to God and that the Lord must really be punishing them for something because they're still struggling with these thoughts from the time they were a child and they still struggle with addictive behaviors or coping mechanisms or video game addiction or spending or pornography addiction, or I mean, we wouldn't be shocked. It could be all of the above just for one person. And because those are escape and coping mechanisms. And in order to cope with the reality that that's what your life was like, you need to escape because you can't survive the actual reality of not being loved and cared for by the only people that you know to be your parents that everyone in the community loves or wow, everyone's favorite aunt and uncle. Like no one would ever believe me if I said that happened to me. So yeah, I would just like to share that we wouldn't be shocked and we would immediately believe you And there wouldn't be a question. There's not once ever that a survivor comes forth and says, this is what happened to me. And one of us, one of the fellow survivors like myself and Bobby, there's not ever been a time that we're like, uh, no, I doubt that ever happened. I mean, it's too ridiculously shameful and humiliating to even admit that you were violated in that way. I mean, I just don't know of anyone that I've ever met that would just decide that they want to be a part of our club if they're not seriously. 
Bobby, what would you say to the person who's feeling shameful and humiliated? I would tell them to reach out to us to know that we understand what it's like to feel that tremendous shame. We understand what it's like to go through your life hiding a huge part of yourself because you are deathly afraid that if you speak up, people will look at you like you are worthless or they will look at you and say, wow, I thought I knew who you were and I liked you, but yeah, I don't think so now that we get that. We've been there. Athena and I have both had long, difficult roads to get where we are and we get it. So I would really encourage them to reach out. And if they're not ready to reach out, go to our website, take a look at what we have to offer, go to our YouTube channel, take a look at the videos that we have. Join us on Google Plus. Watch one of the Hangouts. You've got to participate. Watch. And we have a huge community of lurkers for our Tuesday night chat. And that means someone who just watches the conversation yeah, and they don't participate. Huge numbers. And I know that because after the chats are over, my inbox on Twitter is flooded with messages. Yep. Flooded here. with messages. And so there are a lot of ways that you can tap into the community without actually directly being involved. But more than anything, we just want you to know, like Athena said, you're not alone. You we're are so here. not alone. <laughs> Athena, I really appreciate you and uh, Bobby being so vulnerable and just being honest. And I know that there are people who are going to listen to this that are going to say, I know this person who needs to hear this or I needed to hear this. And I'd love to chat longer. Uh, we do keep this show to a certain length. So that said, let's dive a little bit deeper into where people can find you. And Athena, if you'd share where people can find you. And then Bobby, if you'd share where people can find you. Okay. And, and then, you know, the Tuesday and Wednesday night stuff. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much just for taking the time to allow us to share our message, Jared. We really appreciate you. And the best way to reach Bobby or myself, I would probably say we're on Twitter most of the time. But if you're not a Twitter fan, you can always just send us an email. And my email address is athena at athenamoberg.com. And my name is spelled A-T-H-E-N-A. So it's athena at athenamoberg.com. Tuesday nights, we do have that chat. All you have to do is type in hashtag sex abuse chat and you can read and just follow along on the hashtag. Or again, Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. You can just log on to Google. You can even just Google No More Shame or you can just watch us on YouTube. We'll be live streaming on YouTube on our YouTube channel, No More Shame Project. And Athena, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? Yeah, I do. I just want to tell them that they matter and that they're special and they're uniquely gifted and that they're safe when they reach out to us. And even if they've never, ever, ever, ever had a memory and now they're having their very first memories because we mentioned it, it's not just a power of suggestion. We're not like woo planting thoughts in your mind. If you're having a memory, chances are it's real and it's okay to reach out even just once and say, hey, I had this memory and I just wanted to ask you a question. Questions are free. Just ask anything you want to ask. You're never going to shock us. And we are so grateful for you. Athena and Bobby, <laughs> thank you so much. And uh, yeah, just uh, best wishes to you and the chats and the tweeting and the events and the books and all the exciting ways that you're empowering people who need to share their story and who need that healing. And, and you are there to help them in that process. So thank you for that. Thank you,
tell them to reach out to us to know that we understand what it's like to feel that tremendous shame. We understand what it's like to go through your life hiding a huge part of yourself because you are deathly afraid that if you speak up, people will look at you like you are worthless or they will look at you and say, wow, I thought I knew who you were and I liked you, but yeah, I don't think so now that we get that. We've been there. Athena and I have both had long, difficult roads to get where we are and we get it. So I would really encourage them to reach out 